Imagine making a movie with a bunch of your friends, which is a sequel to a movie that you made with a bunch of your friends, which is based on a fake trailer for a movie within a movie that you made with a bunch of your friends. Surprisingly, we're not talking about a Kevin Smith project. Nope. We're going to grind this episode right out of the house and prove to you that 2013's Machete Kills is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, great in B, movies. And we are sequelizing today because we are talking about 2013's Machete kills and on the other mic as usual is my lovely wife carrie carrie welcome back to the show how you doing i'm doing great far better than i was last week so thanks for asking yes thanks for talking it last week but this one I'm alive this one i i have to ask first things first uh why machete kills oh why not why are we talking about it that's what i want to know mm-hmm. this movie is so much fun but we'll get there but really, why? Why is this on our radar? <laughs> it, it's on our radar, like all movies are on our radar because critics suck. But I have to point out, though, in preparation for this episode, normally we'll watch the movie once, maybe twice. Carrie, I have to ask, how many times did you watch this movie over the past week in preparation for this show? Don't judge me. No, I'm judging. Okay, the first two were purely for research, and the other 45 (laughs) were because I forgot how... Do you have a bleep button? I forgot how goddamn good this movie is. You notice how she asked for the bleep button? That's because our our kids kind of... They, they admonish us for swearing on the show, which is why we censor it. It's it's really for them. We we have no problem saying... Uh, but it's for them. So the beeps are for the kids. Uh, but you know what else isn't for the kids? What we're about to do with this film. Because we're going to take 2013's Machete Kills and trailerize it. Machete, don't text. Don't smoke. Don't tweet. Don't fail. Don't joke. Machete just kills. And this time... He kills a lot. Danny Trejo once again picks up the blade to slice his way through bad guys, bad dialogue, bad CGI, and badass babes in the sequel that begs the question, who used the machete better, Machete or Jason Voorhees? Danny Trejo returns as Machete, a former federale, feared by all, except everyone he has to hunt down. Last time, he was sent to kill a senator. This time, he's on presidential business, and he's all business. With an over 100 body count, Machete puts the fun in funeral. Trejo returns in Machete Kills. Read it R. Because Machete, don't be G. 
Still not for the kids. <laughs> Still not for the kids. <laughs> Definitely not for the kids. And by the way, I I did look it up. Apparently, the body count in this film is one hundred and one. Ooh! Just to get over that triple digit, you know that that milestone. There is a one hundred and one body count in this. I I'm actually impressed. Respect. Now, was that the clones? I'm, I don't know if the clones count as one or multiple. Mm. That's a very good question. And whoever actually did, you know, went through and actually numbered off the body count, A, kudos to the dedication for that. But B, I, I wonder if there's an asterisk on that 101. I'm just, now, now you've got to be curious. So, Dear Robert Rodriguez, <laughs> inquiring minds need to know. We do. We need a clarification on this one. I'm starting to wonder um, what Robert Rodriguez would say about that. We'll have to tag him on this one and say, by the by, apparently there's a 101 body count. Do you count the clones as the same body? I'm, I'm now curious about that. Uh, but let's get through who's in this movie. It stars, and there's a ton of actors in this. It stars Danny Trejo, Michelle Rodriguez, Mel Gibson, Amber Heard, Jessica Alba, Damian Bashir, one Carlos Estevan, who we probably know better as Charlie Sheen, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, Lady Gaga, Antonio Banderas, Cuba Gooding Jr. Like the the list goes on and on, but 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 there's an almost starring in this one because the role of Miss San Antonio, as played by Amber Heard was almost played by Michelle Williams, who you probably remember best from Venom. Um, You know what? First things first, I want to put this out there. Um, I fully recognize that the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is either going into final deliberations or by the time this episode comes out, it's probably done. Um, Just point blank, I don't give a damn about that court case. And we're not even going to get into it because uh, no one wins in that. So we are literally only going to talk about Amber Heard in relation to this movie and her acting in it. In saying that, uh, I do have to admit that I do think Amber Heard is a better choice for Miss San, uh, for Miss San Antonio than Michelle Williams would have been. I think Michelle Williams would have been an interesting choice to to come into a movie like this, but somehow I don't know if it would work. You know what i I agree. However, um, and we kind of spoke about this offline but I want to br- I want to bring it to the the public right I think that a character switch between Lady Gaga as anybody she wants to be mm-hmm. I think that she would have been better suited in the role of Miss San Antonio see I have a different take on this one and if we're, and if we're going to do a character swap for this I would have preferred to have seen Alexa Vega take on the role of Miss San Antonio um, because she was, and, and I will say this again when we get to the breakdown of it, uh, she is woefully uh, underused in this film because Alexa Vega is is a great actress, loved her in Repo the Genetic Opera, which is kind of a, uh, you know, a fave of, of ours um, as far as movies go, of which it will get its own episode. We will defend Repo the Genetic Opera till the cows come home. Um, interestingly enough, Although the story was written by Robert Rodriguez and his brother Marcel Rodriguez, the screenplay was not. 
The treatment was written, but the screenplay, because Robert Rodriguez was too busy doing Sin City 2 at the time, uh, they basically hired the script to be written by Kyle Ward. Uh, He also wrote the story for Underworld Blood War. So while the treatment... And the idea and the basis of this was like a 40-page write-up by by the Rodriguez boys, uh, not their screenplay. However, it was director, editor, composer, cinematographer, probably craft services while we're talking about it, all done by Robert Rodriguez. Set as security. Pretty much, yeah. Driver. Uh, he probably held his own clapboard, too. You know, I, I do have to point out that something you said in the opening... Mm-hmm. Didn't sit well with me. Really? Yeah. You gave a knock on the uh, the the dialogue. You said the dialogue wasn't that good. And I disagree. Really? I am going to stand here and defend. I, you, know, it, you know, it's funny. Um, and we'll kind of get to the script a little bit later, too. But um, there's parts where you could kind of tell that Rodriguez, that's probably... Because when they wrote the treatment for it, it was like a 40 pages, they call it, as he calls it, a script mint kind of thing. Uh, And I wonder if the parts that you liked about it, as far as the dialogue went, were the parts that were in that 40 page script mint. And I wonder how much Kyle Ward kind of brought into it himself. Because if he's the one doing the screenplay, and I know there are parts and characters of this script that he actually injected himself. Like, I wonder how much of this was original idea versus what Kyle Ward brought into it. That'll be, that would be interesting to see a breakdown of that. I would dare say that every word out of Mel Gibson's mouth made me giggle. Like, (laughs) not a huge Mel Gibson fan, but his, his dialogue was so funny. And there were so many different parts, um, even... Is it Cuba Gooding? Yeah, Cuba Gooding Jr. was as one of the faces of La Chameleon. Yes. Um, where he was like, or he, or sorry, Lady Gaga. Yeah, or eventually Antonio switched. Banderas or Walter Goggins. There were four faces to La, to La Chameleon. I know, but where is, he's like, I was just starting to get used to this one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like, oh my God, it was, there were so many different little nuances to the dialogue. See, here's the interesting thing. La Chameleon was a character that was put into the script by Kyle Ward. La Chameleon was not, apparently, not in the original 40-page script. And so this was completely brought in by the outside writer and not from Robert Rodriguez. Um, obviously, the actors that, that you know, all four actors that played La Chameleon um, kind of brought their own take to it and, and brought that to life. But it's fascinating that you bring that up because that wasn't from... You know, the the mind of Robert Rodriguez, uh, that was from the mind of Kyle Ward. And again, I don't hate on his um, his take, his um, perspective on it, his writing. Mm -hmm. It was funny. It was funny. And it was I mean, he made light of some really dark (laughs) (laughs) and and it it was fun. Mm -hmm. Respect. Now, we do have to bring up the fact that someone from this film got a Razzie nomination. Nominated for Worst Supporting Actor at the Razzies that year was Lady Gaga. Now, she actually lost to Kim Kardashian for, and I'm and I'm not even kidding on this movie th- uh, title here, Temptation, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. Yeah, yeah. Kim Kardashian was, was you know, one Worst Supporting Actress for that, 
movie. I've, I've, I have zero desire to see anything called Temptation, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. Like, no. Okay, so now we have to do that movie. Oh, please don't. Please don't <laughs> make me do this. Um, one, of the, the, one of the downsides to this, though, is that this movie, as far as the box office goes, is a money loser. It had a $20 million, approximately $20 million budget. Uh, domestically, it grossed only $8 million, And worldwide, only $18 million. Uh, when it was released in theaters on the weekend of the October, uh, October 11th, 2013, it debuted at number four with about $3.8 million. To put that into perspective... The next movie, number three, made $10 million more in the box office in its third week. And that was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. The highest grossing debut that weekend was Captain Phillips only at number two. Gravity raked in $43 million uh, in its second week, sitting at number one. Uh, so Machete Kills could not even crack $5 million in its opening box office. And I recognize that being rated R, you limit the number of people that can come see it. And I also recognize that it probably has a bit of a niche audience when it comes to the box office. Like, Machete Kills, to me, is not the kind of movie that's going to kill on the big screen. This is one of those ones that's kind of made for DVD releases and the like and for streaming. But under 4 million in opening weekend and 8 million only domestically, that seems harsh. Yet for how much it took to make, it was still a money maker. No, no. $20 million budget, $18 million worldwide gross. It lost 2 million. Those when it comes to box are, office. Those numbers are far different than what I had found. According to the numbers.com and according to IMDb, $20 million budget, $18 million gross worldwide. Huh, interesting. I I'm, I I checked up uh Robert Rodriguez's wiki page. Now see so, the wiki. That, exactly. Wiki has <laughs> Steered me wrong. I thought it was a seven mil budget. No, no, it was approximately a twenty million dollar budget, according to both the numbers dot com uh, as well as IMDb. Well, that's probably you know paychecks. Well, well, I mean, let's be honest. So anyone can make a Wikipedia page about this podcast and say that you know, you know, I have the worst trailerized voice, and they then by the t- by the time this actually comes out now, that'll probably be like Wikipedia. It's not that bad. It's a podcast where the host completely sucks. They're probably not wrong, but we'll go with that. Uh, But let's talk about why we're talking about this film, and that's because critics suck a donkey ass here. Uh, This film has a Metacritic score of only 41, and it's over on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, a 34% audience score with a 29% tomatometer. Now, I don't think... It's, you know, any stretch of the imagination to think that the critics are going to come out and go, oh, Machete Kills is the greatest movie of all time, 100% certified fresh, because it's just not that kind of film. I don't know why I went into that voice, like, you know, almost like, you know, angry, sarcastic Mickey Mouse (laughs) talking about the critics. Kind of like a puppet from The Muppet Show. Uh, Oh, great. Now I'm doing Muppet voices here. (laughs) (laughs) Although I, I like the idea of sarcastic Mickey Mouse. Oh, I don't think I'm going to have this movie on my list at all. Ha <laughs> ha, f*** you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 
guys. I can't believe I just went there. But hey, here we are. We just bleep Mickey Mouse. I'm all for it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But let's get to the breakdown of this film. And we have to start with Machete himself, Danny Trejo. Um, I I don't know what it is about Danny Trejo. I cannot help but smile no matter what role he's in when he's on screen. I had the wonderful opportunity of uh, when he was doing his book tour, um, I attended one of his, it was online, but it was a Q&A um, with a public library, I believe in I don't know, somewhere in the States. Anyways, um, amazing. And just to hear him speak about his um, his life stories that led to this book um, and the writing of it. And, and it was actually co-hosted by Steve Buscemi. And just, you know, hearing how incredibly humble and down to earth he is, like... And I really kind of see that in the character of Machete, strangely enough, you know, aside from being a genuine article, Genghis Kong, high caliber uh, people upper. (laughs) (laughs) To quote Mel Gibson. (laughs) To quote Mel Gibson. um, He just, he really seemed like unfazed by 
anything and everything that was being thrown at him. You know, the double crossing, the um, he didn't even necessarily know who he could trust by the end of it. It was like, seemed like everyone was out to get him. And, you know, as the story unfolds and he was just so even keel mm-hmm. about it all. I just find it funny. And I mean, we, we know Danny Trejo you know, can can play in serious films and horror films and the like. And basically, I've lost track of the number of times I've, you know, gone through a streaming service and get and, and say, oh, Danny Trejo's in this and that. And this he's got a huge filmography. Like, he's been in a ton of films. And I don't know what it is. Despite the, t- the, the tonality of the films that he finds himself popping up in, I always seem to enjoy Danny Trejo when he's in more comedic roles. Uh, just because there's just something infectious about Danny Trejo having fun. The funny thing is, even though he is like the most serious person in this film, like like he he's mean mugging literally the entire way through this film, and yet for some reason Danny Trejo has this ability to make you smile through it because you know like that that's the way the character is supposed to be, but you know when they hit cut, he probably has this big giant like massive smile on his face after every tape because he's having fun, he's having fun with a character that literally came out of a fake trailer in the grindhouse double feature when it was released in theaters like the fact that you know a fake trailer has now spawned two movies and we're still waiting on a freaking third machete kills again in space okay fun fact about that (laughs) rodriguez even said that was like literally the result of a cinco de mayo like too much tequila you know have video equipment. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. And yet the audiences are incredibly waiting. They are, I well, would say patiently, well, well, even, but not so much. Even Trejo himself has, has, has talked about, you know, why we still haven't seen machete kills again in space. And he's just like, yeah, well, Rodriguez kind of got busy. Um, you know, as far as, I mean, let's be honest, there was the book of Boba Fett, you know, there, there's like all his work now with Star Wars and, and yeah, he's a busy guy, you know, and so I can, I can imagine him, you know, not turning down freaking Star Wars and the book of Boba Fett to go do machete kills again in space, although somehow I can still see him coming back to it. Um, but it's just one of the things where <laughs> this character, like this character is, you know, at the, at the root of it. Like just a just a complete. I can just see like the entire like. Okay, Danny, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you a big knife. We're gonna call you Machete, right? And we're just gonna do a fake trailer. And how that spawns into two actual films, I got no clue. But I love it. I absolutely love it. And Danny Trejo is. There is no other Machete whatsoever. And anyone else in any other movie should never be allowed to use a machete. It now belongs to Danny Trejo for all. Like Jason Voorhees may well just handed him the machete from Friday the 13th. She said, here, here, I, I can no longer outdo this. It's like passing the torch. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. I wonder what the, you know, I have to go back and take a look at when that, that Friday the 13th remake came out. Because I wonder if it's one of those things where once machete came out, Jason Voorhees just retired, said, I'm done. I, I can't top that. I just can't top that. Um, let's talk next about Amber Heard. By the way, spoilers for this film. 
if you haven't figured this out yet, spoilers for this film. Um, here's the thing with Amber Heard. Her character does like the full on double cross by the time you get to the, uh, you know, to the, the, the climax of it. I found she was better before the double cross. Once the, the double cross happened, uh, it became almost like like bad comical but before that it actually wasn't that bad i didn't mind amber heard but then as soon as she tried to be badass it didn't work yeah i look at it differently um from the onset from the first scene where she meets machete the man the myth the legend and within like what was it 10 minutes of the scene put your 3D goggles on, guys. 3D glasses. <laughs> um, no, you know what? <laughs> you can't, you, you can't you know, put the 3D goggles on without the porno riff. Porno music, also overused in this movie. Porno music is never overused. <laughs> never, ever, ever. You should, you should just hang your head in shame for even suggesting the fact that porno music is ever overused. <laughs> um, okay. Amber Heard. And... Again, I don't think she was awful. I think she has a place in this movie, and I don't think it was Miss Antonio. I think she was almost rushing through the script. She had her lines memorized, but she wasn't quite there. She wasn't present in the scene. It was just she was like just blurting out the lines, mm-hmm. right? And and there was no like feeling behind it. And I kind of feel that that was that was the downside see i mean when i take a look at that scene and you know by the way i do have to laugh that they put the 3d goggles on was just way too much fun you know i have said it before on this podcast i love font fun uh you know whenever they put words on the screen to to kind of almost be like the director's voice as far as joking along with the audience goes so when you know they put up you know put your three 3d goggles on now right before the weird trippy hallucination they went to like the doctor strange paint world sex scene kind of thing um i I just got a kick out of that but i think in the beginning like when we first meet miss san antonio there's there's that level of sass that you would expect out of that kind of character like her undercover is as a beauty pageant model and that level of uber sass uber confidence kind of worked at that point uh and then of course when she was you know as working as trejo's handler even though she's still kind of you know just before the the double cross it's it's once she gets to the double cross and there's one part that i and and i don't even know why it still stayed in the screen or stayed in the cut where um you know they're 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 attacking mel gibson at the you know um you know, at the launch of the space shuttle and all that. And then they cut to Amber Heard, you know, who's at this point full double cross working with Mel Gibson. And she kind of shovels backward like a cartoon character. I'm like, what is going on? Why Why are you doing this kind of thing? Um, it just, it, it that part didn't work for me. Like I said, I didn't mind her beforehand. But I do agree that she's a better choice than Michelle Williams. I don't know if Michelle, Michelle Williams fits that. And even though I said I could see Alexa Vega in that role, I don't know if Danny Trejo could do that because, of course, Danny Trejo and Alexa Vega have worked together since, like, the Spy Kids days. Uh, I don't know if you could have that scene and have them take it, you know, maybe a little weird for them. I I can only imagine that being a little weird. I do think 
they could have swapped roles with Lady Gaga. I think Amber Heard would have been great in that part of, of La Camillion. Um but I, I then I don't know if Lady Gaga would work in that. Uh, maybe she probably would. Oh, she would. No, oh, I mean, she would have been wonderful. Let's be honest. Lady Gaga can do pretty much anything she wants and to. I, I think, I think the lines would have been funnier. I think they were intended to be funny. Um, when you know, I mean, she's a beauty pageant contestant or queen. She's a beauty queen, and um, when she's on stage and she's delivering the, you know, her acceptance speech or her nomination speech Mm -hmm. and then like the scene with machete where she's like fuck world peace i'm like that would have been so much funnier it would have been so perfect if delivered by lady gaga lady gaga (laughs) as anybody she wants to be that's pretty much it just have a movie now like 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 pull a yeah, what was the Eddie Murphy one? That was it, Nutty Professor, something like that, or whatever it was, where he played like every single role. You know, just do that for Lady Gaga. Let her play everybody, and yes. we're fine. We're fine with that. Machete. <laughs> I yeah. Huh. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, uh, we could do that. Yep. Yeah. Give that, it a try anyway. That'll happen in space. In space. <laughs> um, since we mentioned him, let's let's talk about Vaz Mel. Gibson. Uh, the fact that this character was written with Mel Gibson in mind, the, he brought a lot of that, that early lethal weapon charisma and crazy to the character. And he just soaked up the scenery in this. I absolutely love that he was kind of his own storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like his, his lines, the way they were written was so third person that it was kind <laughs> of like he's literally like painting the entire scene with his dialogue and it was so funny. Yeah. It was so brilliant. And that's the thing like like the fact that you know it's he's he's almost on the you know on that verge of the the you know the, his resurgence there and then appearing in expendables and whatnot like he's just having fun with this. Like he, you know he recognizes, I think, that that the whole movie is very tongue-in-cheek and very, very self-aware that while it's an action film, it's more a spoof of the genre in, in itself. So he can go in and not have to, you know, feel like he's doing a an uber dramatic role or he's the action hero again. No. He's in a fun movie that makes fun of the genre, but has fun with the genre. So he can sit there and soak up the scenery and be, you know, completely outlandish, out there and over the top. Like you mentioned, almost based, not necessarily talking, referring to himself in the third person, but, you know, almost narrating his own backstory, complete with sound effects and the whole works. Like he, he was allowed to have fun. And when the actors are allowed to have fun, it comes across and it makes you enjoy it more. And I really enjoyed Mel Gibson because he's so like, you know, the the, the opposite of Danny Trejo in this. Like Machete is just like, you know, you know, literally like like rock solid stone face, you know, you know, unbeatable machine of a man. But again, he was so even keel, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, he could have been angered by the double crossing and and by basically um being kidnapped by this crazy man mm-hmm. um you know all while um learning of his devious plans it's like at no point did he get 
angry, even though he had to uh, uh, kill many um, a clone, mm-hmm. right? And it, that would have been frustrating, you would think. But no, not Danny Trejo, not Machete. He, not Machete. <laughs> machete don't anger. <laughs> machete don't emote, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, we did have an appearance from Jessica Alba. At the beginning of the film. And of course, Jessica Alba was like one of the main stars of the first Machete film. Uh, and again, she was absolutely wonderful in that. And she's also wonderful in this as well. And, you know, it, it's sad to see her character, you know, have to get killed, you know, just uh, as a way to kind of motivate and uh, whatnot. It's not necessarily a fridging per se, but it's still like, you know, you kill the girlfriend to motivate the, the hero. Um, okay, it's sort of a fridging, but it was... I mean, Jessica Alba is just always fun to be like literally the best, the best badassness aside from Michelle Rodriguez in the first one. And that still carried through in this one. Mm-hmm. She really was badass. Like she was, she was a strong lady mm-hmm. and it was really actually sad when, when she was killed. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, uh, it was one of those like tear jerking mov- moments before, you know, the movie took took off so Mm -hmm. and i I think probably one of the reasons why uh you weren't a fan of amber heard in this one is because in the first film you've got jessica alba as the almost reluctant love interest of of danny trejo and jessica alba just shines through that entire first movie so amber heard not not anything against her per se but she's got to follow up jessica alba and that's that's a hard that's a that, that that's a hard beat to have to take you know, like if you're following her uh, as far as the as the, the 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 leading lady role in this, I mean, we're talking Jessica Alba here, and 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 she's awesome. Like, and that's not a slight on Amber Heard. I'm just saying, like, you know, you you got to follow Jessica Alba. You got you got to bring the A game, and I don't know if that happened in this one. Um, how about the introduction of Carlos Esteban, or better known as Charlie Sheen? Um, I don't know about you. Mr. President. Mr. President. El Presidente. Yeah. Which I find funny because, of course, his his father, Martin Sheen, played the president in The West Wing. And, of course, he was also the vice president in uh, The American President, which is just a gem of a film. I could not watch Charlie Sheen in this role and not hear his father's voice come out of him when he's like, I'm the president. I'm like... This is the line Martin Sheen wanted to say on TV on the West Wing, I'm probably sure. Um, but he, he... I think Trump wanted to say that too a few oh, times. But he probably did. Oh, oh dear. You, you went there. I just did. You went there. We're going to cut that. I would rather have, I would rather have <laughs> Carlos Estevez as, our, as the president. Uh, but but he, well, he was fun in this role. Like it's, because again, like he recognizes that this is not, this isn't the movie to be taken seriously. Um, and I, I do think that's probably the reason why... Um, maybe the critics kind of rated this lower than the original. The original Machete had, you you could argue that there was quite a bit of social commentary um, in the first Machete film, especially considering um, all the talk about immigration and whatnot. It was, there was that level, that, that underlying theme of, of social justice and social commentary. And here it's just, freaking balls to the wall like fun blood and guts in the whole works and charlie sheen is the president is almost the perfect president for that role and he he does he soaks it up he has fun with this like 
I can just imagine what the set was like during the the month it took to film this. Speaking of fun, though, we need to talk about Sofia Vergara, who was the 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 boss of the of the brothel in Mexico, where where they find Vanessa Hudgens's character. Um, oh my God, so much crazy, you know. And to quote uh, to quote uh, Austin Powers, she's got machine gun jubblies, baby. Um, like to see her go full on crazy in this I, again the tonality of the film actually calls for it like i'm totally fine and all on board with her just you know screaming out in absolute anarchy i loved it oh she was perfect i mean the the role was literally i couldn't picture any other actress in that role no, I mean, and you want someone who's loud. You want someone who's who's completely out there. And maybe Selma Hayek. See, you know what's funny? You mentioned Selma Hayek, and as I was watching this, uh, I was continuously drawing, mentally drawing comparisons to Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which of course is a sequel. Uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez to Desperado, which of course that stemmed from a smaller film. Um, El Mariachi. So kind of like how this was spawned from the original trailer of Machete and Grindhouse and then became the uh, the, the, the full-length movie and then the sequel. I equated Selma Hayek more to Michelle Rodriguez in that because the parallels are quite simple. And let's be honest, Michelle Rodriguez and Selma Hayek are both equal-level badassery Um and if this movie was made around the same time as Once Upon a Time in Mexico, I would not be surprised to see Selma Hayek take the Michelle Rodriguez role or to the same token as well. If Once Upon a Time in Mexico were to come out in 2013, I could see Michelle Rodriguez take Selma Hayek's role in that. Like we're talking two amazing actresses, both levels of utter badassery and and. <laughs> forced to be reckoned with on screen like the parallels between once upon a time in mexico and I, I i have to point this out right yes johnny depp was in once upon a time in mexico but the fact that johnny depp's character lost both eyes in that film and michelle rodriguez lost her only remaining eye in this film uh the parallels are just begging to be pointed out but I do have to ask you, though, knowing those comparisons are there, um, which did you prefer better, Once Upon a Time in Mexico or Machete Kills? Oh, that's not a fair question. It is a fair question. No, it's not, because one one was written with the intention... Well, one's a comedy. Yeah, let, let's be honest. One's a comedy and one is just a badass drama and, and like, that's the funny like i love once upon a time in mexico i think it's great so do i yeah and, and i don't make me choose <laughs> <laughs> i'll make you choose for the sake of, of of debate and argument i like them for different reasons though you, it's it is true though you can't really compare because yes once upon a time in mexico was meant to be taken as a serious action film this is just this is just a, a barrel of fun it That's, really is. That kind of question is like, do you like beer or do you like cider? Yes. Well, yes. I like both. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> yes and more. That Those are the only two answers. <laughs> um, speaking to the bad guys, though, um, let's talk about Damien Bashir, 
who played Marcos Mendez. Um, which I find funny that we're that we're covering this film, of course, after uh, the run of Moon Knight. You know, another person that had uh, multiple personalities. Obviously, nowhere near the seriousness um, and the detailedness of of the character development of Stephen Grant slash you know Jake Lockley slash Mark Spector in Moon Knight. But here you have Damien Bashir. Uh, jumping back and forth between all these different personalities in his mind because of the trauma that he endured when he was undercover. There's just such a manicness to him that that I wish he didn't die in this. Like, I wanted more. <laughs> he was fun. Um, I mean, so much fun. Like, um, I almost want to kind of see it ended and differently. You're mm-hmm. right. I wanted to see him survive and see how it would have gone. Because that's the thing. Like, with his different personalities, he could either be working for you or against you. And, yes, I recognize by pulling the pin on the, the bomb attached to his chest, he basically gave himself 24 hours to to, to go kind of thing. And, and I recognize that you wouldn't want uh, Mendez's character to overshadow Vaz as the, the villain. Um but it was just so much fun watching Machete try to keep him alive. Uh, like that that was just a, a, a fun play. It was, it was all like, you know, reverse speed kind of thing. I think I would have liked to have seen the matchup between the two characters. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I would have liked to have seen it end differently, I think. That's... I- I can see that. And even though it kind of ended with us begging for machete kills again in space, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, that was just a fun part of the movie. The fact that he had to keep Marcos Mendez alive in order to be able to make sure that the, the trigger in his chest that would have, you know, activated the, the missiles to, to go blow up Washington. Like it was just, it was so much fun because of course, you know, it's, it's Danny Trejo, not having to kill like machete couldn't kill him as much as he probably wanted to um it's just 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 so much fun um, <laughs> things got complicated <laughs> things got very complicated thanks dr strange <laughs> <laughs> things just got a little out of hand <laughs> that's the second dr strange reference you dropped uh yeah well you know you know, I, I do have to, you know, get my Marvel Stay stuff in. Stay on target. Well, I Focus. mean, normally it's a Star Wars reference, but the fact that Vaz's character just loves his Star Wars and drives around in a land speeder and there's there's light machetes kind of thing. By the way, lightsaber machete needs to happen in some kind of future Star Wars thing. It, it, it just needs to be. Um, but we did, technically speaking, though, since we're talking, you know, the Book of Boba Fett, we did, technically speaking, get Machete in space because, of course, Danny Trejo was in the Book of Boba Fett. So we did. We got Machete in space. And and I'm all here for it. Um, let's get back to Michelle Rodriguez, though. You know, one of the few carryovers from the original Machete um, just just soaks up the scenery. Every time, like just straight up badass read an eye patch. Loved her. Definitely. Oh my God. Like, um, yeah, like I, I, I really wanted to see, I wanted to see more of her character. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she was really underutilized. 
I mean, obviously she was front and center for the first Machete film. Uh, I do think it was wise to hold her back a bit because um, obviously she's not on the Mexico side. She's on the American side and she needs, she's, you know, still working with the network to try and, you know, get people across the border and whatnot. So it makes sense that she didn't cross over into the border. And of course there was that shot where she's, you know, watching the satellites and tracking Machete. Um but the thing is, like, let's let's be honest here. As much as a lot of these, you know, these characters like the Charlie Sheens and the Mel Gibsons, they're having fun because they know they can have fun. Um, for for Michelle Rodriguez, you need someone, you know, for that character, you need someone who is legit badass. And it's hard to really think of any actress out there right now who could walk into that role and just own it like Michelle Rodriguez does. Again, a Selma Hayek, yes, could have, but I think Michelle Rodriguez, again, you know, pristine casting for that one. Um, let's also talk about El Camillion, uh, the the face-changing, uh, basically, you know, assassin for hire, uh, as played by, all four here, Walter Goggins, Cuba Gooding Jr., Lady Gaga, and Antonio Banderas. Um, I... First of all, I love the the concept of the character, and I love the fact that they were you know continuously you know chasing down Machete. But when we got to the Antonio Banderas version of El Camillion, uh, again, just one of those things where you know someone's having way too much fun on set, and just makes you smile all the way through. That's the thing. Is like I almost question if Amber Heard could have had the same delivery as Lady Gaga in that role. Like, I almost want to see a funnier delivery. And the funny thing is, is that when El Camillion revealed, revealed itself to be Lady Gaga, um, I keep saying Gaga, like it's Lady Gaga, right? Um, I, I keep expecting her, you know, it's almost like they played it up, like the glamour aspect of it. Although that being said, since we're, since we're talking about this, um, either Amber Heard's role as Miss San Antonio or Lady Gaga's role as El Camillion. I think in both cases, it probably could have been played better by Pink. Ooh, good call. That, there, there's my fan cast there. I would totally put Pink in either of those roles. And again, like Pink could have been like just badass, like just straight badass all the way through. Yes. Like, like Pink as Miss San Antonio I think would just be way too much fun. And again, again, nothing against Amber Heard, but I, I think it's just you needed someone to go in there and just have more fun with it. I actually prefer the idea of Pink as uh, as El Camillion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing, but even having Cuba Gooding Jr. in there as, as the second face of El Camillion, you know, and even though you know he was playing it, you know, very very serious and whatnot, you could tell, uh, you know, just underneath, he's just like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna like just dive into this role and just you know be be that 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 kind of character like you again he was having so much fun with it though like his feigning restraint when uh <laughs> when he had the gun to the guy mm-hmm. it was like no 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 he he's having fun with it he's making it fun and just trying not to lose it mm-hmm. he's trying not to over crazy let's talk about the production here because this is one of the things where some of the criticism does come into play. Uh, and the first thing is the CGI. 
and let's let let's call a spade a spade here. Um, the CGI in this, the blood splatter effects, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a little hokey. It is. But I think that's the point of it. That's the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like, mean, I, I mean, I remember the first Expendables film. Right. And the blood splatter in that looked horrible. And the Expendables, especially the first one, again, was meant to be a straight up action flick, even though like the actors, you can tell they're having fun. But it's more of a straight up action flick. This is this is not that. It's action, yes, but it's meant to, it's almost, I think it's almost meant to look bad. Again, it's the fun of it. It's the charm. It's the not taking itself too seriously. This storyline um, is so far out there, removed from reality, that um, why not? Why not keep it light and have fun with it? And you know what? If you're going to have, you know, subpar special effects then okay yeah why not and the budget right like dive into it mm -hmm. if it's gonna look bad purposely make it look bad um and then half the fun too is in the variety of kills in this one because you know before again the first machete film um was a bit more a bit more of a straight action film a bit more of a you know a serious tale kind of thing and this one because it did it did it went to that straight up you know over the top grindhouse kitchen sink kind of feel um you know it either had you know if you could draw comparisons to you know the later entries in the franchises of like you know friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street where the zanier the kills the better because you had to go over the top or if you're looking for a more recent comparison uh, Studio 666, the uh, the Foo Fighters horror film where the kills in there were just, just out there. Like, just absolutely out there. But that's the fun of it. That's the charm of it, for sure. I mean, like, okay, the, the reality of Machete putting, you know, his his machete into a, a power box and killing the guy in his other hand, mm-hmm. um, that probably, I'm not an expert of power transfer, but that probably is pretty unrealistic. I may not be a science guy, but I'm pretty darn skippy that that's going to burn the hair off your nipples. Um, <laughs> try to get that image out of your head now. But I mean, it is. I mean, like you can go back to like any of those like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street films and you can pretty much point out your your favorite kill because of just how over the top it is. Like, I just think about, you know, Jason X, and I'm going to have to say this again, Jason in space, where he's like, you know, got the computer simulation, like, you know, camp girls in the sleeping bag and just whipping it against the tree. It's so outlandish and over the top, you're like, yep, I'm, I'm here for it. And even in Studio 666, right? Whether it was, you know, like, like, uh, the, the keyboard is getting sliced the symbol in half. Symbol being thrown. Exactly, like like just over the top, right? Or or Kirschiff like getting barbecued kind of thing. Like it's yeah, like it's be over the top. Like the fact that Machete is like attaching harpoons to guys and letting them fly up into the helicopter blades, or he's using the um the the grappling hook and you know shooting into the helicopter blade and then spinning around with the helicopter with his machete out and chopping the heads off of of the of Vaz's goons. Like 
think of what I've just said, then try to picture it, and you're only getting close to half the fun of what you see in the film. Like, it just, they're playing Machete to be this unbeatable badass. Part of the plot is that Mel Gibson wants to clone Machete, so he has his own clone badasses because Machete is too badass for his current clones. Because he's a people upper. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like, go have some fun. Like, think of the, the most crazy way you can kill someone in film. It doesn't matter how bad it looks because the the worse it looks on screen with your CGI and whatnot, the funnier it's going to be. And that's the, that's the, I don't know if the critics really got that out of this. Oh, to have been a part of the writing team. Like, how crazy can we make these kills? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I do, though, and I, and, I, and I need to point this out. The film left on a cliffhanger. We still need Machete in space because, you know, I mean, the, the entire film opens up with the trailer for the upcoming film with some of the funniest lines, you know, and Justin Bieber as as Gleep or whatever they called him, right? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is the man in the silver mask actor subject to change like just seriously like can we just give props where props are due the the voice of the narrator oh god yes on the previews i i i as my as my horrible trailerized voice will say i bow down to the guy who does the trailer voices for robert rodriguez's grindhouse films like it's just that voice cannot be beaten absolutely perfection mm-hmm. <laughs> like and it's funny because i went back and watched like the the fake trailers from the grindhouse films and yeah like the, there was this one there was you know the werewolf women of the ss and then there was uh uh thanksgivings you know, white meat dark meat all will be carved like <laughs> <laughs> Love that line. Oh, like <laughs> that. I, it's it's hard to tell what one was my favorite trailer of those, but yes, you know that that line from the Thanksgiving trailer. Uh, that that was just. I think that was that one was done by Eli Roth, um, of Hostel fame. Um, one of the best lines out of all the fake trailers. But yeah, Machete kind of does stand out, and I recognize that. You know, this isn't the only one we've had. There was the hobo with a shotgun that I guess was a contest winner that got that trailer put into certain screenings for the film. And then, of course, we got the hobo with a shotgun film with Rutger Hauer. I'm still waiting for Rob Zombie to get off his ass and give us Werewolf Women of the SS. We need that movie now. Has to happen. Okay, it comes time because now we've gone through all of Machete Kills. Who is your MVP of this Grindhouse sequel? I'm going to throw a wrench into... Yep. I'm giving it to Tom Savini. We forgot. Yeah, Osiris. We forgot to mention him. Yes, we forgot to mention him and he definitely uh, is due respect. So, you know what? A um, reoccurring character... Um, One of the few returning from the original film. Yep. Not a not a fan. Machete was not a fan of him, even though, you know, he was on the right side. Um, He was there to help out. He was he was all in. Um, Yeah. So there you go. I would not have called that one. 
I, I, I would not have called that one. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's because I couldn't pick anybody else. <laughs> you, you have troubles picking the MVP, don't you? Well, because everybody is so damn good and we've already, you know, talked about their incredible performance. So let's let, I'm, I'm curious now to see if you, uh, if you've guessed mine. All right. Just don't, don't say it yet. I'm just going to gauge by your reaction here when I say that my MVP of this film is Damien Bashir, who played Marcos uh, Marcos Mendo, uh, Mendez. I did not see that coming. Uh, who did you think? I thought it would have been Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson was up there, I'm not going to lie. I really wanted to say Mel Gibson, but then I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but I can't, I can't give Mel Gibson props over Danny Trejo. And, I mean, it really is his movie, but... No, I went. I went with the. Uh, I went with the one we haven't spoken about. See, Tom it, Savini. It, it was. It was when they got to the to the uh, to to the the cafe in in Mexico when he's you know tr- uh, when Machete's trying to keep Mendez alive, and he's like, "Oh, it's a great place for my for my final meal, right?" And just just soaking up the scenery, just absolutely soaking it up, like. His his performance in this was just so much fun that you can you can just tell. Like I would have loved to have seen what the set was like and you can just imagine probably people having a phenomenal time. But the question does still remain. And Robert Rodriguez, only you can answer this. Will we ever see? I'm curious I'm curious now what you would say to this. Do you think we're ever going to see Machete Kills again in space? hope so i'm hopeful mm. i i it's it's hard to say because let's be honest robert rodriguez is a very 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 busy man i can see him doing it though i can see him doing it just for the fun of it mm. not even about the money you know i mean i'm sure he can print his own face on well let's be honest a hundred dollar bill like, robert rodriguez does whatever the f- Robert Rodriguez wants to do because he's Robert Rodriguez. He is. He is. And you know what? Like mad respect, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I I can see him literally, you know, pulling the the Kevin Smith rule or the Tarantino card and calling up all of his friends. Yeah. And just doing it for fun. Don't like doesn't even matter the release doesn't even matter you know the 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 theater you know box office kickback doesn't matter I can see him doing it for fun yeah I mean and again you 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 called it the Kevin Smith rule and you're very right on that one but I mean like you think about that first Clerks film and then the fact that you know we're still getting those same characters you know twenty however many years down the line you know in Jane Silent Bob reboot. And yeah, with Robert Rodriguez, you're you're seeing you know the the just the continuing work with some of these actors. I can absolutely, and I hope, I really do, because I, I want that trilogy finished. So script it. What's the storyline? Who's left? Well, I mean, it's it's still there, right? I mean, Vaz is up in space. He's got Michelle Rodriguez with him, and and you know all the people from the network and he's got all the 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 people that he's kidnapped so then he's got to go up into space and of course there was already the blood on the sword from the from their last fight from each other uh so of course Vaz is actually able to uh to clone machete so machete has to fight himself uh like 
it's going to all be in space and and I'm I I want to see this happen. I want to see that in, I need to see the story finish. That's the thing. Like this is one of those few films that 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 has called its shot for a sequel and we don't get it. Masters of the Universe did it. We didn't get one. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension. They called it. We didn't get it. And I think I have to I think if I remember correctly, I think the Adventures of Remo Williams did it as well. And we didn't get a sequel as well. Um so there there is. There was a series of movies. Oh, and Mac and Me, I think, did it too. Uh, there was a series of sequels or a series of movies that called their shot on a sequel and we never got the sequel. They put a damn trailer in the movie for the sequel to start and end the movie. Like, that's bookended that way. Um, we need the sequel. Robert Rodriguez needs and Danny Trejo need to get back together. We need the sequel. So please let us manifest this into reality. Carrie, thank you so much for joining in and literally watching this movie about 20 times at least. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've I've walked by and all of a sudden I hear, uh, you know, <laughs> the beginning of the film's like, it's like galactic and <laughs> Like, just... <laughs> just so much fun like just just, just the note knowing that the dialogue can be so much out there and to you our listeners thank you for listening to this episode of it's not that bad now here's the deal if there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or if you think it's so bad that there's no way in hell that we're ever going to find anything good to say about it well we'll take that challenge so hit us up on twitter at not that bad cast uh, let us know the movie. We will watch it. We will dissect it. And we will find the A grades in those B movies. Carrie, once again, lovely as always. I'm Jay. Until next time on It's Not That Bad, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.